Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Today's guest is Daniel James, who is the founder and CEO of Mint Performance Marketing. Daniel is a leader in the digital and social media landscape. As an early employee of MySpace, he has seen firsthand the beginnings of social media and has been part of the evolution of social, digital, and e-commerce ever since. He went on to lead strategy for AOL's O&O's and after moving to Los Angeles for brands like Toyota, Adidas, Kraft, and Disney. Daniel started Mint Performance Marketing in 2019, a two-person-led team managing e-commerce strategy for D2C brands. A short three years later, Mint is now a team of 50-plus people across the U.S., U.K., and Asia. And in 2021, Mint was acquired by the global media marketing and e-commerce powerhouse Social Chain, with Daniel now being CEO of both Social Chain U.S., and mint. So without further ado, let's welcome in Daniel James. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. Thank you, Brian. Great to be here. Appreciate you having me on. And uh, it's always weird having, having your bio read back to you. It sounds... <laughs> I always wonder for guests when they hear that, if they're, you know, what's going through their mind of, you know, just re reading that Bible in front of them. So yes, it's like, it sounds kind of good, you know, avoids all the all the ups and downs in the process <laughs> but it, it sounds good when you just summarize it at the end well you know and with the just get started podcast what i always like to dig into is those ebbs and flows and those you know the tough moments that obviously don't get talked about maybe as much and most people yeah. go through um, and that's what i wanted to spend some time there's a couple different areas um, i wanted to talk about with you today and one of the things i wanted to start with what, what intrigued me kind of doing some research um, on you and, and kind of your background here you know, you were at MySpace in 2004. You obviously had a lot of experience kind of from an e-commerce standpoint, building on the social side, et cetera, et cetera. What I was really interesting to understand, and you can kind of take the story wherever you want to start. We'll navigate around that. But 2019, you start Mint Performance Marketing. My question is, you know, and I think we all, because you and I got to be similar age, I'm assuming, I'm 39, is, you know, you go and work for these other brands. You're obviously doing different work, consulting, stuff like that. What made you actually say, gosh, you know what? I want to start my own business. I actually want to do this. I don't want to work for someone else. I actually think I have the, the, you know, the tools, the creativity, the, you know, whatever. I'm energized to kind of do this. So I'm kind of curious, start where you want. When did the idea of starting your own business get into your head? And how long did it actually take maybe between that point and, and getting started? Yeah. So, you know, working in the industry for so many years, um, I loved what I did. I worked at amazing companies, worked with amazing brands. Um, and so my, my entrepreneurial journey started quite late, right? I'm 37. Um, so I was, I was quite late in the game of starting Mint. And I think, you know, in hindsight, having all that experience of seeing how companies run, what does a good boss look like? What does a bad boss look like? How do you really work with clients? How do you train people? How do you hire? I think that was really helpful in the early stages and even now within Mint. But my decision to start my own company, you know, I'd moved over to LA. I was with this other agency. Um, luckily, by that point, I'd got my green card. So I had the freedom to be able to, to move on if I wanted to. Um, it was really a combination of, I'd met other people who were launching brands, starting brands, and by nature of what I did um, as a career, 
you know, naturally they would ask me, oh, I've got this question, I've got that question. How do you think about this? What's the right strategy? Should I, should I be on Facebook? Should I be on Google? So I was always fielding these questions. And as that kind of increased, I'd, I'd elevated in my career to a point where I was moving away from doing the stuff that I liked doing. Um, you know, as, as you progress, it's actually interesting. You know, I was a strategy guy. I loved working with clients, developing strategy, solving problems of their business from a digital and social perspective. And as you progress, you move away from that work. I was doing contract negotiations and I was, I was basically just the, the person they came to if there was an issue on the accounts and I need to step in and kind of support. So it was a combination of there was an opportunity because of the people I knew to be more impactful on brands where if I could help them go from 50K to 100K to 250K, I, I, ch I could change those people's lives, mm -hmm. right? Like their business and their lives because it becomes something more meaningful for them um, versus you're spending tens and tens of millions on Toyota and brands like that, and it might move a percentage point of their revenue, yeah. if you're lucky. Um, it, it, I started to lose the passion for working with brands of that size and in a role where I was moved away from actually doing the things that I enjoyed doing at the time. Well, and, and a lot of folks are in maybe a, a similar position. They might be in their early, mid-30s. They've kind of, you know, they, they, they're like, gosh, what I really love doing, I'm maybe not doing anymore, or they're just not loving their job in general. What made you, yeah. though, the commit to the change? Because we talk about this a lot in the podcast. People are like, I want to change. And that could be in fitness. That could be in anything. I want to do something different. But yeah. for some reason, they get stuck and never do it. So what ultimately led you to make the change and say, hey, I'm going to pull the ripcord yeah. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this thing? Well, let me paint the picture of it. So moving to the U.S. from the U.K. Um, is it's, it's an expensive endeavor especially when the two cities you live in are San Francisco and then Los Angeles. I have a 12 year old daughter. Um, and so I had responsibilities, right? It wasn't like I could just jump in with both feet and be like, well, I have no responsibilities. I don't need to worry about it. If it all fails, I'll move in with my parents. Like I right. did not have that, <laughs> that. I did not have that luxury. So what I actually did, um, I started Mint whilst at my previous agency. So I was running Mint on lunch breaks, evenings, weekends for a good 10 months before I joined full time. Um, and I was actually transparent with my current company of like, this is what I'm doing. And they kind of agreed to give me some flexibility and have a transition out period. Mm. Um, so I was lucky, um, although I had been with them for several years and done relatively well for them. Um, so I, I felt I afforded that uh, kind of collaborative effort. But for me, you know, I, I wasn't, it wasn't so much as I was afraid of taking the risk. I was just, well, I can build this on the side and see how it goes. Do you see what I mean? Like I had, yeah. I had a lot of confidence and faith in myself that I'd be able to do it, but I have as many people do have, um, you know, if they're thinking about starting a business and it isn't something they've done straight out of college, you have commitments, you have bills to pay, you know, the risk is worth taking, but it can't be worth taking if it's going to potentially be detrimental to your current standard of living, if you've got other people you're providing for. So I was very conscious of that. Um, my goal at the time was, well, if I can get Mint to pay my current salary whilst I'm still working, then that's the point at which I'll become full time. Um, 
And that's essentially what I did. So Mint had five full-time employees by the time I joined full-time. Um, it was sustainable enough to where I could, you know, go into the business full-time and not be worried about whether I was going to put financial stress on myself or my family. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was the tipping point of like, okay, I've built it to here. I can now commit full-time and, and know that we've got at least enough cash reserves from running the business as well. It, is it, it can afford my salary to be able to give up my, my previous position. And, you know, and I think that's the thing about side hustles and them becoming so popular. You don't have to, you don't have to rip the bandaid off. Mm. Right. Um, and especially if, if that causes you additional stress because of the potential risk of it not working, I would say test it, right? Test yeah. it in addition to start the side hustle, see what you can build it into and build up that confidence that you have something meaningful that it can actually replace what you're doing uh, currently. Yeah, and I 100% agree with that. Because I think the a lot of it comes down to your circumstance. Like just because you see folks online, oh, I quit my job, I'm, I mean, I'm going all in on this. Again, to your point, if you're 25, no kids, maybe you have, yeah. and again, you can go move in with the parents. If you know, like that's a different circumstance. I'm in a similar boat with you, you know? Um, yeah. have, a, have a young child and it's like, you know, you can't just maybe make the jump, but being able to build on the side, I actually think, you know, the building on the side thing is really interesting because I think it almost tests you to see, because if you can't do it for a couple hours a week, even minimum, how are you yeah. going to do it full time, you know, yeah. and actually support yourself with it? So I actually think it's a good test to go do yeah. that and see if you can build something, right? It doesn't even have to be yeah. of significance, you know? I totally agree. Um, Cause if there's one thing, if you're gonna go down that route of starting your own business, the passion and enthusiasm for it has to be overwhelming, because mm -hmm. it, it's it starting anything from scratch is is super hard, right? And there's gonna be moments where it's not going well. Any business will go through that. So I agree with you. T testing it and seeing, okay, do I have the passion to do this as a full time thing and see it through? Um, I think is one benefit. The other thing, you know. I'm a big fan of taking risks, but I'm also a big fan of uh, protecting against the downside, right? You have to be sensible in the risks that you're taking, especially, you know, like you said, everybody's circumstances are different. My circumstance was it would have been very irresponsible of me potentially to just be like, I know I have a family to support, but I'm going to do this and come what will, you know, it will be how it will be. So I, I think you can balance the two. Yeah. Well, and, and last point on that, you know, if you take the risk, like you're saying, hey, I'm just going to go all chips in the middle, whatever happens, happens. And let's say you blow through a lot of money and it doesn't work out. Now you're back where oh, I got to go work again and struggle and maybe not have, be happy about this for many years before you can build that up again, potentially. Now yeah. you could, again, you could do another side hustle. There's a few fat things you can do. But to your point, you met, it's rather start slow and build the momentum versus the other way. Yeah. Where ultimately you're, uh, you're maybe in a tough position, you know, and you have to make yeah. some tough decisions that way. Yeah, exactly. How did, and that now, did you start Mint yourself or did you have a co-founder that I see? Yeah. So, um, it was my previous partner, um, who started it, uh, with me. She was actually laid off from her position. Okay. She was working in social media. And so it was one of those situations, like I'd had this idea of Mint in my mind, she got laid off and I was like, well, let's just, now's the time to do it. Why, what's the point of you going and trying to find another job, you know, 
you can spend the time right now. Yes, look at other positions, but let's, it, it seemed like the perfect and opportune moment to start our own thing. Mm. Um, so it was, you know, making the best out of a bad situation on, on her side um, and, it, and it paid off. Now, and you mentioned something about like having a few employees before you left. What was the, and, and this is more just, I guess the behind the scenes, like the decision to have full-time employees versus maybe getting like, you know, virtual assistants and kind of helping you or some freelancers and stuff like that. Like, how did you decide on that direction? Why was that the route to go? You know, I've always been and always will be heavily motivated by building a team, you know, first and foremost, like when people ask me, what's my goal for Mint? A revenue figure doesn't come to mind. Having a great company of great people who are great at what they do and enjoy doing what they do is the priority. So um, for me, it was really important, even at that early stage, to build a team and have people invested in the company so they felt part of something versus, you know, we've used freelancers and contractors here and there, especially at, at periods where we've been growing and maybe couldn't hire quick enough. Um, but yeah, having, having a team and being able to rally people behind something bigger than just tasks um, was important to me from day one. What do you think was the, well, maybe I'll ask for more than one, the biggest struggle when you're building the side hustle? What was the kind of the, before you left, and, and obviously we'll, we could talk about those things, but like building the side hustle, as you said, for maybe, you know, whatever it was, 10 months or so, that right around that time frame, what were some of the things that you had to, uh, you know, hurdles to jump through? Um, one of the most challenging ones was just as it progressed, having the enthusiasm to do both. <laughs> okay. Um, cause I, you know, obviously when you're starting something new, it's exciting, even though it's challenging. Um, and so like not being able to just be like, Oh, fuck it. I'm just going to jump in with two feet, like yeah. re reminding myself to be resp uh, responsible. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, my previous job when I was working too, it wasn't like it was a, it was a challenging job. I had a big role at that, at that company, heading up strategy for some of the biggest accounts that we had. Um, so just balancing time of starting Mint, working a full-time job, having a family, um, and then trying to stay healthy as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, big believer in fitness and a big fitness fan. So balancing everything was, was pretty challenging, you know, because, it was week, it was weekends, it was evenings, it was lunch breaks, any moment that I could get to be working on Mint, because I wanted to be respectful for, to my previous employer, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you make time for what you care about. And so I made the time, but it, it was definitely a huge investment of, I guess, sacrificing other things to mm -hmm. dedicate the time into, into the side hustle so that I could, well, I enjoyed it, so it didn't feel too bad, but it was, it was challenging. And I'm kind of curious that you use the word sacrifice there. Would you say though, that did it give you a chance? To, and again, I'm just speaking out loud here. I know a lot of things I've gone through is like, you almost, I kind of take it from uh, Greg McEwen's essentialism, like less, but better, you know, like you start taking away things that really weren't as important, but for some reason we did them just because we had the time. But when you actually yeah. start saying, I only have so much time to tell you, you start prioritizing the fitness, the side hustle, obviously the full-time yeah. job. Did you find that you were doing that? Yeah, I've always been a pretty regimented person, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Um, so it, it definitely, 
it definitely made me prioritize the things that I cared most about. Um, it also, I think, really made me become efficient with the time that I was using, right? I, it's not like I would sit there all night just because I felt like I should. I would, I would be hyper-focused on, I want to achieve this each day, each night, each weekend, and, and, and be really specific on what it is I'm actually doing so that it didn't become, you know, because I think there's a tendency, especially when you're starting out, that there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of excitement, but you realize it takes a huge amount of effort to start anything from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that can lull you into this sense of, well, I have to always be on just because I should, right? right. And this is something every entrepreneur goes through. Like, actually, you realize that being more focused and um, intentional with your time can achieve more in less time mm -hmm. than just being present all the time with your head in the business. Um, I think it's one of those things that you can only learn when you go through it, though, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I did try and be just very intentional with my time. What was the, what are the things I can be doing that will have the biggest impact on growing mint? Um, so that I was still able to, you know, not, not, I hate to use the phrase, not burn out too badly. Did, was there anything from kind of like the practical side, like, you know, advice maybe for others that might be considering, maybe they're doing a side hustle or thinking about, Hey, I'd love to take this on. Like, just the way like you maybe scheduled things or how you thought of, I don't, I don't know if there's any practical advice in there that you know maybe saw a technique you used anything like that um i don't i don't know about that i think it's and it's dependent on the business you're running right so you think about the business that i started um it lives and dies on your ability to sign business keep business and service business so i'd always be slicing up my focuses and how are we winning business? How are we servicing business? And how are we keeping business? Um, and so I like, again, maybe this is practical advice. I'm a big fan of time blocks. So I would time block out an area of the business that I was going to be focusing on. Um, that really helped me in terms of prioritization. And, and I still do that to this day. I use time blocks for everything that I do. Um, how I big are the time blocks? What, what do you normally use? 90 minutes 90 minutes okay yeah yeah that's uh and that's one of those things too again it's going to be different from everyone but i think the time block is something where you're like i'm i'm going to hyper focus like do you what you mentioned earlier i can't just always be on but when i am going to be on i'm going to focus in this area and this is what yeah. i'm going to get done and get it really specific yeah no a hundred percent um time blocking is a massive one and I think the preparation for time blocking is you have to know and be really intentional of like, well, what's the outcome of the time block? The way I do it is I time block either by area of the business that I want to work on or focus on um, or like a specific upcoming project. Um, so I know during those time blocks, it's to look at one of the areas of the business, finance, business development, um, client strategy, you know, partner management, whatever it might be. Um, and I would say actually, you know, I mean, I'm three years into, into Mint and I have a amazing team. I don't, I, I, I probably work less overall hours, but I achieve far more. Hmm. And I think time blocking is, is a massive reason as to why. 
What about, you know, the, why well, I, I want to go, you mentioned something about kind of signing business, keeping business. Like how did you get your first few clients when nobody knew about you? Like, were you able to kind of use your network you had? Like what were some of the ways that you got some of your first clients? Yeah, it was, it was the network that I built up friends that had brands, um, and, and referrals came from them pretty quickly. Um, I do have a funny story about one of our first brands that I'll tell you in a second, you know, mint has always been heavily reliant on referrals. Um, we hired our first salesperson three months ago and we're three years in, mm-hmm. we've, we didn't have a sales team for the first couple of years. Everything was through network, you know, people that I knew, um, and then client referrals. Um, and one of our first clients, um, I won't mention his name cause I don't know <laughs> just in case, but. I, um, I had an allergic reaction one night and went to the, the emergency room at like one in the morning. And the doctor that took me in and was like checking me out, he's trying to calm me down, right? Because I was in a bit of a state. I had, you know, I was breaking out all over the place and he was trying to calm me down. He's like, so what do you do? This was when I still worked at my last agency. Um, but I said, oh, I run my own agency called Mint. And he was like, okay, what do you do? Oh, we do e-commerce performance marketing is like, oh, me and my wife, we own a fitness brand, or maybe we should have a conversation about mm. it. Um, so I got a meeting with them that weekend at a coffee shop and ended up working with them. And they're a client of ours for, for basically three years. Um, wow. And they, they were like client number four or something like that. But he, he's now full time. He's not a doctor anymore. Um, and I just think back to that, like I could have said I work at my other agency, in which case that opportunity opportunity never would have happened because that that brand wouldn't have worked with my previous agency. Um, yeah, I just thought that was pretty fortuitous. Yeah, that worked out. That <laughs> worked out. It did work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and so obviously you guys have had this rapid growth in a few years. Like, how do you? I, I, my, it's this is always one thing that comes up a lot is like you know you have a couple folks, you have a few clients, like you're able to manage it, and then all of a sudden it's like, gosh, we got fifty employees and we're this you know, kind of massive growth company. How do you handle like, what, what was different back in 2019 versus today? Like the different either responsibilities you can take at that angle or just maybe the challenges you have today versus back then. You could take it wherever you want, but I'm just kind of curious when you have that rapid growth, what are some of those challenges in that, you know, in that place? You know, the, the biggest challenge and the change is going from, I mean, there's so many because it's like when you're starting out, your ability to, the types of talent you can hire is different. You don't have as much money to hire top tier talent. You can't have, you know, I didn't, I had a partner in this, but from a leadership standpoint, it was, it was really just, it was really just me. Um, and I think we kind of got to the two year stage and we'd seen really good success. I would say we were operating more as really good individual service providers versus we had a really well running company. Um, so the, the, the shift happened probably really at the beginning of this year. And I kind of knew this, um, coming into it is like, we had to focus far more on leadership structure and overall agency operational efficiencies, because you reach a point whereby you can't continue to scale if you don't really focus on the internal workings of, of the company. Um, and, but I, what I would also say is if we'd have tried to implement that structure too early, it probably would have slowed our growth. 
Um, some people might disagree with me on that point, but that that's that's how we've done it. And <laughs> that's been my experience. So, um, you know, the challenges early on is just, are we good enough at what we do to have a viable business that can scale? Um, as you do scale, the challenge becomes, well, how are we building a company that can continue to scale and be more efficient and effective at what we do, attract the right talent um, and be able to operate at 50 people versus 10, even just communication, right? 10 people working on 10 clients, it's very easy. You could all just chat all day, you'll get everything you need. When you're at a much larger scale, you, you, you have to have systems and processes and the right leadership hierarchy and everything else in place so you have enough visibility and coverage across the company that you understand how it's doing, what's performing well from a company level versus what's not. So you can apply your resources accurately and you can plan for the future. Let me go back to something you said earlier, uh, because you said some people would disagree with you on the efficiency. And are you saying that when for like a younger company, a few employees, what have you, you would encourage folks to prioritize like client experience, like just giving kind of the all up front versus worrying about, you know, if everything's perfectly aligned in terms of how leadership works or how the business runs, where some folks may focus on, not, I'm not saying it's a waste of time, but they may focus on the business side of it and button all that up before the rapid growth there. That would be, that, that, that's the approach I took. And if I was to start a company again, you know, I, I have a lot more experience these days, but I can tell you, I didn't look at a PL for the first year. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, how can we just be the best that we can be and motivate the team and really go above and beyond for our clients and, and prove that we are a team that's good enough at doing what we do so that we can sign more clients and keep the clients that we have attract better talent into the business. I would say if I'd have sat down at year one and wrote out really detailed SOPs, I think it would have been pointless. Um, I think you would, I think it would have been restrictive on a company of that size to try and over, um, autonomize them. Um, I think that becomes super beneficial when you're slightly bigger and when you need that. But I think earlier on, to me, it would have slowed us down. Well, and I, and I like where you're coming. I've been at a couple startups and, you know, the thought I always had is you give your staff, your employees more autonomy to kind of make decisions. Because you actually don't know that, yeah, to your point, you don't really know what you don't know at that stage. So when you kind of just say, hey, as long as you're not being, you know, disrespectful or rude or dishonest, like if you're acting in good faith of the business, make a decision, like figure it out, yeah. like do it out. And I think that actually gives, I at least know, again, being at, at two different startups, like I felt more empowered to take the, the bull by the horns and, and kind of lead, yeah. even if I wasn't in a leadership position. Yeah. And, and you know, listen, I think, you're not, you're, if you spoke to an operations person, they're going to have a totally different viewpoint, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a creative minded, um, strategic thinking person. I default to that. Um, you know, I was the worst at my previous companies of following any form of SOP. I was just like, I know I like, I understand business. I know what success looks like. I'm going to prioritize that. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I, I'm not the best person to speak to it, which is actually interesting because now I'm running my own company. It's and it's a relatively, you know, small to medium sized company. 
I now realize the benefit it has when you reach a certain level of scale because it helps you plan, it helps you forecast, it helps you understand the health of the business and everything else. Um, but I do think you can get into a position where you're overly restrictive on your team, especially in our industry, right? Where it's, it, it, we're very solution oriented, but it's a, it's a creative strategic thinking industry. Mm. So, you know, that what's the quote from Jim Collins, good to great. It's like, um, culture of discipline, ethic of entrepreneurship. Um, I think that's just the perfect mentality to have. And, and, you know, I've kind of spoke to my team about it is you need to be disciplined in terms of, um, doing things in the order that the company needs it to be done so we can track things and, you know, have all the right QAs in place and make sure the teams are working correctly with each other. You should never lose that, that, um, that entrepreneurial free thinking, creative spirit, um, to make decisions, to empower your people, to, it's like operate within guidelines, but the guidelines shouldn't be so restrictive that you feel suffocated and you're just like on a conveyor belt of task, task, task. Um, there's a, there's a balance to strike. I have to ask, cause you mentioned, you know, when obviously early in your career, you got kind of your hands dirty, if you will, with the clients and strategy and all that as you kind of worked up the ranks, now you're more in those kind of the, the leadership role and kind of the over, you know, you, you may be more in the stuff that you didn't have as much fun. How have you been, and maybe you have or haven't, but obviously going from starting the business yourself and doing all that to now being the CEO, 50 plus employees, a lot of growth. Do you still try to get your hands involved in the strategy working with clients or are you now back to <laughs> being into the financials and you know those type of things that maybe not as much fun for you? Or maybe they're fun now. I don't know. Maybe you matured and you know, <laughs> love them. Who knows? I, they're, more, they're more fun now. They're more fun now because there's no political games going on with other executives and stuff like that. Right. So it, it's a very different scenario when you have to play that corporate political game. That was very uninteresting to me. So I definitely have more fun with it now. Listen, I, I'm a marketing strategy guy inside and out. I, I love it. Um, but no, I, I don't stick my oar in because I have, um, I have a phenomenal team who are, who are probably better at it than me, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I've, I've been the last couple of years, I've been focusing on building a business, hiring, uh, all the, all those sorts of things that it takes to build a company. And I've hired phenomenal talent. Um, I'm there as a resource mm -hmm. and we bounce ideas around, but, um, no, I let my team, uh, I let my team manage client strategy because yeah, they're, they're better at it than me at this point. Mm -hmm. Is there anything, you know, as you think about kind of putting on the, the entrepreneurial hat, the, the CEO hat again, and, and now you can look back down the mountain and see the growth that you had and the stumbles and all that. What encouragement would you make for folks that are getting started uh, that are maybe looking to start their own business, or maybe it's a side hustle or, or who knows when I mean, we could take, again, I always like to just get started. It could be anything. It could be they're starting a fitness journey. I mean, it might even span that. What would you kind of give them encouragement on? to get started and, and move forward? You know, I think um, if it's something you have a passion for, you know, there's nothing holding you back. You should, you should, you know, I think the hardest point is getting started, right? Um, so it's like taking that first step, whatever that might be, if it's on the fitness journey. Um, and I would say like, have smaller goals. It's great to have a big vision and 
I want to do this. I want to build a thousand person company or do this amount of revenue or whatever else it might be. Um, it's great to have those goals. I'd say break those down into smaller, more manageable and reachable goals because it gives a sense of like accomplishment as you get there. And what I will also say is when you reach those goals anyway, there's always the next goal. You, there's never that sense of, oh, well, I'm done. <laughs> like right. I've, I've got to this point, I'm done. Like I can, I can kind of peace out now. Um, so I'd say, you know, first of all, just get started. What's holding you back? If, if it's the side hustle, you don't have to quit your full-time job. You can build it on the side. Many people do that. I've done that. Um, and then have smaller, smaller goals that can be attainable in shorter periods of time. So you can track your own progress as you, as you kind of move forward. What are your thoughts when, when you're getting started besides just kind of keeping everything to yourself, jotting some notes, or maybe the ideas are just up in your head about actually putting it out in the world, sharing it with friends or colleagues. And do you find like that leads to more accountability and leads to kind of pushing you forward? Or are you one of those kind of build, build yourself to get to a point and then put it out? I'm just kind of curious what your perspective is. Yeah, it's interesting one. You know, it's so popular these days to build in public. Um, I would say I probably defaulted more to I'm going to build and build and build. And when I feel like I've got something worthy of shouting about, then I might be a bit more publicly stated. I mean, my friends and family knew what I was up to. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big question. It's a deep question because it's like, are you motivated by success or a fear of failure? And that might dictate whether you decide to tell people or not, right? I'd say, I'd say the important thing there is, is not to let, let either of those things have sway over whether you decide to do something or not, some, or not do something, you know, to, to not take the risk, to not try for fear of judgment or failure, I think is the wrong mindset. Um, but for me personally, you know, my friends and family knew, but we were, I wasn't very vocal. In fact, Mint for the first two and a half years, I don't think I really spoke or did anything public, if I'm honest with you. Um, I mean, we're doing this podcast now and I'm doing a lot more because now I feel is the right time that I actually have enough at proof behind what I've done and what I've built, even though I had a very successful career uh, prior to starting Mint. Um, you know, it's that balance for me. I know how beneficial it is and I feel like I've got a lot of things to potentially share. And I want to do that for someone who's had a career, st stepped out into the entrepreneurial world, launched a company, um, got investment from a larger company. Um, I think it's more down what feels right for you. You know, I don't think there's any right or wrong, um, especially in the world where like personal brand is everybody's wanting to build a personal brand. Yeah. If that's an aspiration of yours, amazing. Is it beneficial? It definitely is should you prioritize that over building a business? Probably not. Can it help you build the business? Yes. But does it have to be authentic to you and how you want to live your life and how you feel comfortable communicating, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of dynamics to it. Well, and you mentioned earlier, you know, having the smaller goals to make them achievable. I have it on my, my back wall. I don't know if you can see where it says small steps every day. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and like it's just—I mean—that's the thing. Even like you know, from like a writing standpoint, you may not start a business, but it's like, hey, I want to write a book or whatever. It's just putting in that. You know, I, Stephen Pressfield talks about being a professional, 
you know, mm -hmm. if you're a professional, whether it's a writer or business professional, whatever, you show up every day as a pro. Just like if, you know, LeBron's going to, you know, he's actually practicing and shooting hoops and whatever to try to be a professional every day. So I like that approach, I think, to what you're saying is doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be grandiose, just make small steps every day, make an incremental yeah. improvement as long as it's fulfilling your life and the things that you want to do. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing I can guarantee you in the early stages, it won't be perfect. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Cause to your point, it's about, you've got an idea, you're, you have passion for the idea. You've got some level of expertise. Um, and it is about that, you know, 1% better every day. Well, Danny, this has been great. So everyone can check out. So the website mint-performancemarketing.com is the website. What's it, who's your ideal client that y'all work with? What size of business? What type of business? Yeah. So we, we have, um, we kind of have two tiers to our agency. So, um, an incubator level, which is 50 K per month Shopify store revenue for the past six months. Um, you know, looking to kind of like be incubated and and really kind of increase that revenue. Um, and then we have a higher tier, which is five mil plus a, a year brands. Uh, so we have a pretty wide range of, of brands and we have like two separate sides of the business um, operate, you know, within the same ecosystem. But if you're a Shopify brand and you're doing 50K a month or more for the last six months and you're looking for a partner who is that fully integrated growth partner. I mean, we do everything from creative influencer, paid email, SMS, conversion rate, optimization, growth strategy. Um, you know, let, let's have a conversation. And then you said you're getting out there a little bit more. Where are you spending time? What, what social watering holes are you on? Twitter, well, actual, Instagram, the, yeah, actual LinkedIn, where, where are you? Oh, are you posting oh, anything? I'm, I'm What's, where can people say hello to you? Yeah. So LinkedIn, I'm doing a lot more on LinkedIn. Uh, so you'll be able to find me there. Um, Twitter, I'm on Twitter. Although my Twitter handle is a bit weird. It's foodog85, F-O-O-D-O-G-85. I've got two food dogs tattooed on my chest. And oh. when I started Twitter, I thought it was a cool name. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn and Twitter, the two main places. Um, and yeah, lots more podcasts. Awesome. Well, Dan, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed this conversation back and forth and uh, appreciate your time. No, of course. Really appreciate it, Brian. Great to chat. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianandraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.